0: Inspired, sharing your journey.
1: We're back again live in the Real Presence Radio studios here in Fargo. I'm Jack Canelli, and I am your host for today's installment of Real Presence Live. I'm really excited about this next one and I have been for some time because I get an opportunity to introduce one of my former students in my past, distant past life, I was actually a teacher for a short time at Shanley High School, teaching English and some religion. And Dr. Tom Morgan, who was just Tom Morgan, freshman at Shanley at that time, was one of my students. And it's really nice to see that at least one of them turned out all right. So welcome, Tom. Thank you, Jack. Okay, now, praying with his patients has... Led to miraculous outcomes in uh, Dr. Morgan's practice, and uh, we're going to let him talk about uh, his decision to let faith lead his practice and what has happened as a result. You know, uh, uh, during this session, and I'm really looking forward to it. I know we have talked about it before. You talked to my company at one of our retreats, and it was a a great. Uh, A great presentation that was well received and uh, very inspirational, and it really does show how prayer can work, even though I'm sure in your practice you kind of have to be a little bit careful about how you approach it. But before we go there, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Well, hi to everyone. It's great to be here. Um, I am Tom, and I grew up in Fargo. I went to Holy Spirit, and I went to Shanley, NDSU, and eventually UND for med school. I spent 15 years of my career at Mayo. and had great experience there. And then the last 15 years, I've been split between Fargo and now Brainerd. And I'm an, uh, I'm married to Jill. Um, I, my wife's a wonderful woman, and she gets a lot of the credit for the spiritual part of medicine because she's my prayer warrior backup. And we have five kids. Uh, got married late in life, so they're all still 18 and below. But that's been a great joy to me. And I'm a lover of the Catholic faith, and I'm a big believer in you know bringing Jesus to, to the people in our daily interactions.
1: Now you've got a special story actually i think special stories that you're bringing to us today uh... to share with us um, but let's begin with talking about your role as a doctor and how faith plays into it because you don't necessarily think a lot about faith in medicine at least in the practice of medicine
0: yeah and i think it's actually a big mistake i think we tremendously underuse the value of our faith in our daily jobs not just in medicine I kind of compare it to Western North Dakota where all the oil was underneath the ground for millions of years, just waiting to be tapped. And it's right there, just got to go for it. And it's, you know, I always say, what do patients want? You know, they want healing, you know, a a body, mind, and soul. Usually it's a combination. Um, And they'd like things that work. They'd like things that have low side effects. And they'd like things that are cheap. And prayer fits all those perfectly, you know. and, And it really, the patients come to us with such wounds. You know, I had one patient that had lost someone they loved, and they were looking me right in the eyes and said, You know, Dr. Morgan, we're all just broken, aren't we? You know, and I said, Yeah, we are, you know. But if we realize we're broken, then we can start working on the healing. And some of that, of course, is through medicines and surgeries, and we do all that, you know. But some of it is, you know, wounds of the heart and wounds of the soul. And they're ones that pills alone don't fix. And we have an amazing opportunity because the patients give us the privilege to get to know them and they want to get better, they just don't always know what the route is. Um, and I do work in endocrine, so I work with glands and hormones, and I want to assure everyone we take care of the body. If they have any physical needs, we take care of those. Uh, but to do our jobs, I think we really have to prepare for them spiritually. And my spiritual workout is I do the rosary on the way to work. I, uh, I always meditate on the Pista Cana and think about Mary saying, you know, do whatever he tells you. That's what I ask him to do in my life. And I also tell the Lord, I have no wine today. You're, you're going to have to provide it. And then he does amazing things there. I pray for all my patients on the way to work. I pray for the staff members on the way to work. Um, I bless myself with holy water when I get to work and start the day. Um, and but It's kind of like an athlete. You've got to be ready for the day when it starts. And then the other thing I tell people in their jobs is, you got it's got to be a little bit like improv comedy. You can't have your plans, what you want for the day, because the Lord opens up doors that you couldn't even... They're so much better than your plans. So I think I encourage people, talk to people, listen to them, get to know their stories, and be willing to spend some time with them and love them like Mother Teresa did. And good things to happen when you love people. It just opens the door for everything.
1: It, it sounds like your preparation for the day gives real meaning to the, uh, the phrase spiritual exercises.
0: It, it does. It's, I'm a tennis player and it's just like Rafael Naldal, he's in a sweat before he starts, he's all ready to go from ball one, and you've got to be ready. But then just be open to what the Holy Spirit leads you, because you know, the Holy Spirit will use anyone. And, and you, I've used this analogy in tennis, the Holy Spirit is the best doubles partner, and if you, you know, play with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be the best team. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll have to talk to your partner about that one.
0: <laughs> okay, well,
1: when did you decide that you were going to actually live your faith uh, this uh, intensely or openly, if you will, as part of being a doctor?
0: I think it kind of evolves naturally. You know, a lot of it is you prepare your own soul. The more you pray, the more you go to adoration, the more you receive the Eucharist, you know, the more you rely on Jesus and Mary. God opens up doors, conversations come up that you, it's weird. You know, people will say things that are so important out of the blue that you know right away that's what you're supposed to talk about. So a lot of it is keep your own soul strong. But it's also realizing your audience. You know, just like you have an audience that's listening today, my audience comes in, and after you talk to them, a huge percentage of them have had either physical, emotional, verbal, or sexual abuse, or they've had divorce, or they've had abortions or miscarriages, Uh, or they've had estrangements from their family, or they're terribly lonely, or they feel they don't have a mission in life, they've lost their faith, Um, you know, they have a kid in jail. Um, You know, these losses are profound. And once you start learning about them, you realize that plays a role in their fatigue and in their depression and in their anxiety. And it plays a role in their inability to keep up their exercise and their nutrition. And they turn to sometimes vices, you know, to comfort, you know, the holes in their heart. So I think it's the audience, once you get to know their stories, You've got to work on the healing.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, what you're saying here about how people just open up to you. And I'm, I'm kind of harkening back to our first guest today, Stella Jeffrey, who was talking about evangelization one-on-one, and she, that was one of her comments. You know, when she kind of opens up a conversation, it's amazing. She said, what people will tell you. Once they know you love them.
0: You know, once they know you love them, it, it, good things happen. And, you know, people are thirsty for love.
1: Right. I th- yeah, exactly right. And I know in Catholic health because I work for a Catholic uh, healthcare provider, uh, we talk about holistic healing, you know, not just physical healing, but also the spiritual and the social healing as well, because that's the way that Jesus healed. Exactly. You know, when he killed the lepers, they were socially returned to their community. You know, so it's it's not just uh, a mechanical kinds of exercise at all.
0: Correct. And you'll have a lot of patients say, "I go to my doctor, every test is normal. I go to another one, every test is normal, and I still feel bad. So we're missing our diagnoses sometimes of what's making them feel bad."
1: Sure. Okay. Well, I think we'll just uh, take a moment here to kind of interrupt just for a second, if you will, and uh, to tell thank everyone for tuning in today to Real Presence Live. Again, I'm Jack Canelli, your host. Our guest is Dr. Tom Morgan, and we're talking about the uh, the healing power that prayer has in, you know, specifically in Dr. Morgan's medical practice. And uh, uh, I guess going, go, uh, going on to our... We'll, we'll go on to our next question, but we're going to have a break in here too, but we'll just kind of continue on after that. And when did you decide to take the next... Take it to the next level and begin praying with your patients. Did you have any intrepidation about
0: that? You know, it really just happens naturally. And, and, you know, sometimes I tell the med students when I work with them, start with the free ones, the easy ones. A pregnant woman usually wants you to pray for their baby. If you have someone that just lost a spouse or someone that's going through a crisis, they often want a prayer. So start with the easy ones. Sometimes they're wearing a cross on their chest. You know, <laughs> you know their background, you know. So I start with the freebie ones and then you get more advanced as you go.
1: Okay, so you got some low-hanging fruit there. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're just getting ready to go into a break, and we will be back shortly. Inspired. Sharing your journey. Okay, we're back again. I'm Jack Canelli, the host, and our guest is Dr. Tom Morgan, who lives in Nisswa, who practices predominantly in Brainerd, Minnesota. And he incorporates prayer into his practice, and he's here to tell us about that. And I know, uh, uh, Dr. Morgan, you've received letters, actually, from your patients after having prayed with them and
0: thanking you for that. And what does that mean
1: to you as a doctor and as a Catholic?
0: Well, it means a lot, you know. It's kind of I, I call them signs of consolation. I think the Lord gives you just enough of those signs to say keep doing what you're doing. Not so many that you think you're great, you know. It's all His work, anyways. But you know, I, I got one letter from a person that I took care of. I met them once in my life. At the end of the day, spent a couple hours with them. They were in agony with pain. Um, I, I kind of figured out that they had a cancer, you know. And, but you know, we were, and the person was really distraught. Uh, But I noticed they were wearing a medallion, and so we started talking about the spiritual, and we um, we ended up consecrating her whole experience to Mary at that time. And I didn't hear from her for seven years, and then she sent a letter out of the blue saying, I just need you to know here's what happened afterwards. You know, I was thinking I was dying. I felt like I was dying. I was going to feel like I was going to give up. And then you started talking about Mary, and we consecrated to Mary, and I knew immediately I was going to be all right. And then I went to see the cancer specialist and I got a remission, and here's what I've been doing with the rest of my life. And she's doing all these great things with her life. And, and it's interesting, it's like the prayer thing meant as much you know, as you know, the, the cancer thing. And I've had a couple of cancer patients, actually several, that you know, I diagnose their cancer, we get them in remission, and they come back and they say, you're the only one that ever prays with me, or you know, the prayer made the difference. You know, And, and you think as a doctor, they're gonna talk about, you made a good diagnosis, you made a good treatment, but the prayer was what mattered to them. And it's amazing how many people say, You're the only one that prays with me. No other doctor prays with me. And I, I tell people this, you know, I don't pray with every patient. I, I trust the Holy Spirit to guide the conversation where the Holy Spirit wants it to go. But I've asked thousands of patients if they want a prayer. I've been turned down five times, mm-hmm. you know, so it's way less than 1%. If, if I had 99 plus percent compliance on all my medical treatments, it'd be amazing, you know. No. So that almost everyone wants it, and, and they seem to value it. And I'll go. I'll go into a restaurant, and a waitress will tap me on the shoulder and say, "You took care of my family member, and you know you cured their tumor, but you prayed with them. And that meant so much to us that you prayed with them." And 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 some come in and say, "You know, I'm pregnant. You know, and I like my doctor, but I want a doctor that's going to pray with me. I heard you pray with your patients, so I'm I'm coming to you because I want you to pray with me for my baby and stuff, and take care of my endocrine problem." Um, and you know, so you hear these stories, and you know, and the tears that come into their eyes when they prayed. And when they hear that they're a child of God, and God loves them, and there's second chances, and there's mercy, you know, um, it's amazing. You know, you can literally feel the Holy Spirit in the room.
1: Right. It's interesting when you talk about this crying need that people have out there, this desire for it. But I would suspect that in the medical community, you are a bit of an outlier. It's
0: true. You know, and even you know, it's it's interesting though. It can grow in your own colleagues because I trade notes with some of the NPs and PAs, and some of them say they're starting to incorporate that now. And I always tell people, don't forget about your colleagues. They're suffering and hurting too. I had a, a colleague that told me that they kind of their faith was down and their anxiety was high. I suggested that they pray a rosary, even though they're not Catholic. And they came back to me a few months later and they said, "Well, I was really skeptical of, on that, but it works." You know, and, <laughs> and 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 I've had some non-Catholics that I've advised to go to adoration, and they've gone to adoration, and their life start to blossom. You know, it's like once you see the real deal, the Eucharist, your life changes. So it's you know, in some ways, I'm just like a a traffic sign saying, you know, go here, you know, go here, and and then Jesus takes them.
1: Right, yeah, like, you know, uh, when it comes to those kind of things, you know, Jesus is the physician and the healer. Now, I understand, I know you've got some kind of miraculous stories, too, and uh, can you share yeah, with a couple of I, those with us?
0: I, I can, you know, I work with a lot of abuse victims, and it, the d- wounds are devastating, they're often not talked about, they're often 20, 30, 40 years old and not healed. And when you work with some of them and tell them, you know, first of all, you tell them how sorry you are for them, you wish you could have protected them, then. they didn't deserve it. But you know, and if necessary, you get them to counselors, you get them to psychologists if you need to. But I try to work in the faith, too, and that's often the prayers together that you start them you know, just healing. And you can see it. And then if you work with them over time, you see them go from you know, angry or uh, upset To having peace and I remember one person told me my heart feels so much lighter you know now and they started doing all this good stuff in their family and healing family wounds so once one starts heading in the right direction it goes downstream in the family so I I always love it when you see those healings through the intergenerational wounds Um, I had another person that I grew to love as a patient that I took care of they had a tumor we cured that I became friends with them I left the area Years later, they sent me a note saying, "I've been diagnosed with an aggressive cancer. You know, um, just wanted you to know." So I didn't know what to do. I'd never had really spiritual talks with her, but I sent her a you know picture of the Divine Mercy and a statue of uh, Mary holding Jesus. I thought she knows I love her. I I don't even. I have no idea what her faith is. Didn't hear from her for months. Finally got a letter back saying, "I was going to quit the treatment. I was feeling sick as a dog. I was going to give up." And and then my wife always loves this line that she says in the letter. And then Jesus came to my home. And she said, once I got the statue and the picture of Jesus, I decided to go on. I got a remission. They lived a few years after that, got to see some important family events. So just a picture of Jesus, you know, can change someone's life. And I've had another one that I just, you know, was making the sign of the cross, you know, as I did my prayer for them. They had an easy situation to pray for. And they said at the end of the prayer, are you Catholic? They said, yes, I'm Catholic. You know, and, and so we started talking about their experience. And they were raised Catholic, but never received the sacraments. So I started talking about, you know, maybe it's time to come into the church. Are you interested? And we had a long talk. And I referred them to a good priest in the, in the parish. And they went through RCIA, and their kids started going that route. I, I have several experiences like that where you just start to say, you know, maybe it's time to come back, you know. and And the other thing, too, is I try to always be fair, you know, if, if someone's a good Lutheran i 'll point them to their Lutheran pastor you know, mm-hmm. if someone 's you know a good Protestant i'll point them there. You know God will take them in the right direction, but it's amazing and once you start talking to these people, a lot of them you know you start talking about the shambles of their life and then you start kind of gently talking about the Lord or you know inferring it, and they say I've been thinking about maybe I need to go back to church. You know. So it's almost like they know it, you know? Um, and that also happens with young women. I have, a, I have kind of a ministry of young women. I always want to build their dignity. I think there's a lot of loser guys that try to use them and, and, and take advantage of them. So I always try to build them up. And I always tell them, don't get married until you have peace, and the right guy will wait for you, da-da-da. And, and they come back, and some of them, you know, like out of the blue, they'll say, say to me, you were right, the right guy should wait for me, and I shouldn't get yeah. married till I have peace, and, and some of them are wearing the miraculous medallions I gave them, and so you see, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit's already working in them, you know, they just want someone to, to talk to and to lead them, and it's amazing how many of the patients will say, I've been praying for a sign, I've been praying for a sign, I've been praying for a sign, and I got it today, you know, and and, and it's wonderful, you know, like, that's what the Lord wanted for them today, um, And And uh, it's beautiful, you know, and it inspires me. The other thing I will mention is we're all linked together. Um, I ask many of the patients to say one prayer a day for all the patients and one prayer a day for all the staff, and many of them do, and that's why I think some of these doors open up. Some of them say when they take their thyroid pill, they say the prayer for me that day. Some of them know I have a kid that has some issues, and they pray for my kid and ask how he's doing. I'm I'm just a sinner and a weak guy like the rest of them, and I think they like it when they know you're, You've got some issues in your life. you know. I'm not a perfect dad, I'm not a perfect spouse, I'm not a perfect doctor. And, you know, you're on the same playing field as them. Um, the other subjects I really like talking about is mercy. You know. And I'll talk briefly about miscarriage abortion, but I have tons of women that I ask them, have you had any pregnancy losses? And I just use losses, I let them decide if they wanna say anything. And a ton of them say, I've had an abortion. And I usually say, you know, well, how are you doing with that? And kind of open-ended question and many of them say i regret it i regret it every day you know they hang their head you know they start to cry and it always leads to a talk about the lord's mercy you know and i always talk about the prodigal son i talk about the woman caught in adultery the woman at the well and i tell them everyone needs the lord's mercy or we're toast you know everyone's in the same boat and and i tell them if they're catholic go to confession and trust in his mercy if you're not do your private confession and trust in his mercy but and then i tell them name your child you know if you feel called to and some of them come back and tell me the name they chose for their child, and they're smiling and beaming, and uh, and I tell them that child I think can be their intercessor, you know, both both for miscarriages and abortions, um, you know. So I, I try to remind them of that, and I tell them about my wife's seven miscarriages, so they realize he understands what he's talking about. So you know, it's beautiful, when you can talk about mercy, you know, and and, uh, and the tears always come. I, I I've had one patient came to me, and they said I was referred to you, and, and my friend said you'll love him but he's gonna make you cry you know um, and because we talk about important things mm-hmm. you know and that's we should cry you know and and that was you know we need to cry and i kind of remind people who are grieving you know jesus wept you know when lazarus died and he knew he was going to raise him in 20 minutes and jesus wept you know um so this is the type of thing that happens all the time T-
1: tell us about you had once mentioned before you have almost a spiritual early warning system.
0: Yeah. So for that, you know, I found that when I go to adoration, it gets me ready for, you know, usually there's big encounters after adoration. So I highly encourage anyone that's willing to spend a couple of minutes in front of the Eucharist, you will get fruit. But I often get awaken, awoken at 3 a.m. And at first I thought, maybe I'm just having a bad night. But I started to realize a pattern where the next day I would see someone that had a terrible abuse story, or they had um, multiple abortions, or they had um, you know just horrible loss of faith, and and it was weird. The subjects come up naturally, easily, sometimes totally off cue, where they bring up something I'm not even asking about, and it's like the Lord getting ready to spread the divine mercy, you know, and, it, and I'm ready for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I, I thought that early warning system was neat because it gives you an opportunity to kind of spiritually fortify even a little bit more, even though you might not know what's, 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 uh, what's coming at you that day, but you know that it's going to be something big. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. And uh, again, uh, for your listeners, we are uh, talking with Dr. Tom Morgan about how he incorporates prayer into his medical practice.